everybody, it's Michael. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to let you know that we're celebrating a year and a half of the Drunken UX podcast by giving away a chemistry book flask to one lucky listener. Now, yes, I know chemistry book flask sounds confusing. It's not a flask shaped like a chemistry book. It's a flask that comes inside of a chemistry book, all covert-like. I don't endorse taking it to work with you. Unless, of course, you just want to show it off because Aaron and I will also autograph it too. You'll be the most popular dev on the team. You have until June 30th, 2019 to enter to win it. So if you're listening after that, well, ding us anyway. Maybe we have a new giveaway going on. Who knows? It's the future then. All you have to do to enter to win the flask is share a tweet or a Facebook post with the Drunken UX podcast tagged in it. Best of all, you can enter to win up to 10 times. There are a few conditions, of course, and you can find them all on the blog at our website at drunkenux.com. Well, welcome to the Drunken UX Podcast, everybody. I'm glad that you've taken the time to sit down on your train, in your car, in your home, in your office, or wherever you're listening to us. Uh, hopefully not in your basement in the creepy room where the spiders are, because <laughs> that would be scary. I'm your host, Michael Feenan. Everything is spiders. I'm your other host, Aaron Hill. Welcome. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm glad to hear that. No uh, spiders it, here. There are no spiders there. There are no spiders in your head. Um, that I know of. I uh, want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor over at New Cloud. You can check them out at newcloud.com slash drunkenux. They do maps, illustrations, uh, and all kinds of stuff over there. So stop by, check them out, let them know that you're listening to the show and that you want to spend... Millions of dollars on, on map <laughs> illustrations. I'm sure that's a, a thing. Let's see. Uh, Aaron, tell the fine folks at home where they can find us. Come and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.com slash DrunkenUX and Instagram.com slash podcast. Also, because, be sure to come check us out with Slack, uh, DrunkenUX.com slash Slack. And um, are, we on the, are we on the Snapchat? Uh, I, no, that's yeah. not that's not a thing. Yeah. I don't know what I would Snapchat, quite honestly. I don't know what I would do. I, it seems like a lot of work. Anything there I would do, like little quick videos or something I'll throw up on Instagram. Which, speaking of, uh, if you aren't following us on any of the social stuff yet, go ahead and, and get ready to do that because we will be announcing a little giveaway contesty, simple kind of thing um, in the near future. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, maybe not. I don't know. I can't predict the future. I'm not Nosferatu. It's uh, pretty cool. It's 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 a little thing, but it's yeah. just our appreciation we want to share with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the appreciations, uh, I'm drinking scotch tonight, which is a shock to everybody. What? Uh, this when did is, you start drinking I, scotch? Recently, um, <laughs> and less than recently, and a long time ago, as it turns out. Uh, Spayburn tin. So it's not fancy. It's actually, I think. $35 a bottle or something. It's it's a fairly, you know, entry-level scotch. Uh, I'm tired of looking at it. It's been a, on my shelf on, in my bar for probably the last year and a half, so I'm I'm committing to trying to finish it out in the next couple weeks. It's not bad. Like, I, and I'm not saying that, like, it's some terrible turpentine-tasting scotch. It's just okay. not fancy. Like, it does it, it just tastes like kind of like liquor. So it's you don't want to drink a lot of it. I've got the uh, Basil Hayden. Again, it's good. Hazel Hayden. 
Where was that from? That was uh, it's from Kentucky. It's proper bourbon. Um, but it was uh, recommended that. to us from our Slack channel. Justin, Jason, Jay, Jason. Jonathan, John, Jonathan. Uh, yes, Jonathan. Or no, 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 Justin, Justin M. Ha! It was, right. You were right the first time. Give me an hour. I won't be right anymore. <laughs> um, this evening on the show, we have brought back a, a guest that we are both big fans of, and we hope that you are too. You heard him back on episode 12 when we were talking about uh, the basics of web security when it comes to setting up your first website. Um, it is Chris Wegman, the senior software engineer at WP Engine, uh, the creator of iTheme Security, or uh, what as it was called back in the dark ages, Better WP Security. Um, and he's also a budding uh, microphone engineer, as it turns out. <laughs> it's a little inside joke for the guests. Perfect. We should probably tell them what happened, but I'll I'm not going to do that. Chris. It's funnier if they don't. I'll, I'll tell them what happened. I've had this Blue Yeti for six years, and people have been complaining about the sound. And I just realized talking to these two gentlemen tonight, who I owe a beer or something to, that I've had it backwards <laughs> for six years on a directional microphone. I'll admit it. It happens. I, in Chris's defense, the, I, I have the same mic he does, and as much as I love it, it doesn't have any clear marking on it to indicate which side is front when you're using the cardioid layout. So it's totally understandable. <laughs> Usability, am I right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> so this evening we brought Chris on for a, a very specific reason, not because we love his beautiful face, although that is also true, but largely because he works at WP Engine, and WP Engine just got done doing something super cool which is launching a dev kit for WordPress sites. And so we wanted to get him on here as quickly as humanly possible. I don't know if we're going to be the first uh, show to have him on or not, but I'm, I, I, I tried to act as quickly as I could uh, for that. So, <laughs> yep, first one. So yeah, we wanted to talk about that uh, because it's a very interesting uh, development, no pun intended, in the WordPress <laughs> world, and it has some very neat implications. I've been playing with it. We're recording on June 13th. Uh, this launched, I think, on the 11th, right? Uh, so yeah. I have had all of two days to play with this, a day and a half, really. And I'm already pretty much figuring out how this is going to slot into my workflow and, and take over some of what we were doing. This is uh, very neat. If you want to go read up on it and get some of the ins and outs in the background, uh, there is a blog post up on WP Engine's website. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's worth stopping by and reading. They'll have a they have a link to it to their uh, dev kit landing page as well, so you can go download the beta. This is beta. It's brand new software version uh, point X thirteen. Lucky thirteen. <laughs> so let's talk real quick because before we talk about what this does, let's kind of understand how a lot of people build WordPress sites or, or at least have in the past because we've all done variations on some of these things, right? That you either, uh, if you were Mac or Linux, you may have got LAMP or MAP packages that you downloaded that kind of just bring everything all in one. So it sets it up, you get Apache, you get MySQL, you get PHP, and it's just kind of there and working for you. So you have somewhere to put your site. Um, there's also the idea of editing in production, which as much as you know, a professional would say, you just don't do that, then we all have and we all do, I, I have no doubt. I have a bad habit of doing that with CSS, I admit it uh, completely. But that 
process was very uh, uh, informal, so to speak. Everybody kind of had their own way of going about it. A lot of folks, you know, if you used like a lamp stack in your uh, environment, you would do stuff like then you'd also edit your hosts files to put in local domains and things like that. You always ended up with stuff bound to port 80 unless you stopped services. So this is this can be a challenge if you're trying to run like different web apps uh, on your local environment, um, like a test suite, let's say. You know, some test suites <laughs> have a web component to them. Um, and it also, the other thing, especially with a, like a lamp um, or if you were trying to do it as a roll your own kind of solution, you kind of had to end up being this sort of weird server admin uh, without really being one. But you had to understand how to set up uh, Apache, how to write your uh, your site configurations and things like that. And it's a skill that doesn't always lend itself to a designer or developer all the time. So this this was not a good process. I, I remember using WordPress... I think it was probably like one eight or something a really long time ago and um it was before i started using linux full time and so i was using windows on 95 and we had uh wamp windows wow. apache mysql php yep. um and the nice thing about that was that it was just an application that ran and it was actually very similar to what it sounds like this dev kit does where it's just sort of all encapsulated and it just works and then you just have your you just set up your WordPress site and then it just runs far far yeah. easier than setting up a lamp stack manually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Zamp. Sure. I used Zamp for a long time. Uh, what is, I remember what is Zamp? years. Same thing. Uh, X. Yeah. X A M P P. Um, X A M. What's the X? A letter. Oh okay. <laughs> I off the top of my head, I honestly don't. Know is it just what like like X? Word. Like it could be anything. Like it's Windows, Mac, whatever. I've been told it was because it was cross okay. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's what I've been told. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But... No, I think you're right, though, because it, it did have like a Linux uh, image, mm. an OSX image, so that would make sense. That Cool. Um, that's what they were going for. Uh, it also included Perl, uh, whereas like <laughs> oh. a... <laughs> Man, that's, oh. that's just mean. I No, no, no disrespect meant to Perl at all. It's just, it's... Um... Every once in a while that pops up and it's just like, oh, I remember you. <laughs> but you're right, though. The, these were like these all-in-one tools that helped kind of just bootstrap that process. Because especially, you know, when you start going back years, mm -hmm. that process of setting some of those things up, especially in a Windows environment, was very challenging. And, you know, I don't know about a lot of folks, but, you know, Windows was my first experience in a computer. For a lot of folks, it, it may have been like uh, OS X uh, or... A, what was before OS, OS X? OS 9? OS W? I go back to DOS. <laughs> so, I don't know. 3.1. These, these things, though, didn't lend themselves well to, to this development stuff, so it was handy having tools to get you up and running. Um, I used XAMPP for years on an old 98 server that I had that would just like sit in a corner, <laughs> but I ran a, an MP3 server on it. <laughs> before before we had like iTunes and Google Music and everything, I would just rip all my CDs to MP3s, put them on there, and then when I was at work, I could just pull up my own little local web page uh, and listen to my music from the house. It was like revolutionary at that point in terms of streaming music. But it's it's still funny to me how there was a period when MP3s weren't strictly illegal, and MP3 file sharing wasn't strictly illegal. Like you could just do it, and nobody would. 
care other than the fact that they were just big and space was a premium but i had my own like these were my cds i ripped them legally Uh, i don't i'm not afraid of that um and then there was all the other stuff that i got from my roommates and we won't go into that so anyway staging is the problem with wordpress staging is where things start to get a little screwy because it's i would i will say you know relatively speaking, easy to set up a local development environment. There are a lot of ways to do it. They aren't consistent, but it can be done, and you're there. Where things get challenging with WordPress is setting up an environment that you can work in that is a staging or a development environment that can then push to another environment. For some of our newer developers, can you define staging? Yeah, so... What what does staging mean? Staging is like a, a... place to go look at something. So if you think about a staged house, when you go walk into a staged house, it has fake furniture in it, and it lets you see what that house would look like, you know, once you moved into it, as opposed to walking into an empty house that's a new build. And because they always say, you know, that, that when you're selling a house, it's much easier to do if the person can visualize themselves living there. Mm. That's harder to do if your house is empty. Um, so staging sites let you deploy features or content um, a lot of folks will use a staging site as a what we call an authoring environment. So it's mm. where they will write content or, or create pages. Oh, that's that, interesting. Not not with you know without development involved, but it lets them write everything and proofread it and get approvals and things like that. That will also happen on a lot of staging sites. That's a workflow that um, we use with uh, at my company. The 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 visualization I always have whenever I think of staging is I don't know if you read Harry Potter or not, but I tried. There was, uh, you know, like to have the feast at the beginning of the year, every year. It's like the first day is the the big feast. And like all the food just appears in the big hall as if by magic. This is in the book? It's in the movie too. I Okay. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, all the kids are sitting in a giant like dining hall and all the food just suddenly appears on the things magically. And so I don't think they sh- say it in the movies, but in the books, um, Hermione just kind of nonchalantly says like, Oh, yeah, all they do is all of the house elves and other, like, chef people, they'll prepare it down, like, one floor below, all on the uh, tables down there, and then they just use, like, a an, a spell to, like, basically just transport it one floor up. So, like, the the food isn't prepared instantaneously, it's staged one floor down, and then they just move it into position. So, that's, like, the, the visualization I always have for staging. <laughs> I That sounds relatively accurate, I think. <laughs> Uh, web development brought to you by Harry Potter. Uh, there's a there's our next shirt idea. Add it to the pin board. What, what's the spell they use? Let's we'll we'll use that as our uh, git deploy command. So with with staging, there's an article over at Theme Isle. Um, they describe a lot of these different ways of creating a staging site um, and whatnot. Very much worth going and checking out. There, the the thing that I've always had a problem with when it comes to setting up staging and development sites is the various tools that are available to escalate code or escalate features or content um, between the environments, they have a bad job distinguishing between granularity. Um, and they, a lot of them are very much all or nothing pushes. Oh, you're talking about like doing like piecemeal push? Like right. Like little bits. Being, saying, I want this page. I built this page. Send it over. Okay. As opposed to... We can't send you the page. We can send the whole database. Mm-hmm. 
Version Press, I think, gets around that. I would have to, I haven't used Version Press in a uh, project forever, so I have very vague memories on it. I think they kind of ha- had figured that out. Um, WP Engine has this feature, for better or worse. Uh, they allow pushing between environments, and they let you pick whether you want just database or, or files or all of it. But that's really all. Um, so your staging, the, where this comes into conflict a little bit is your staging can't act as an authoring environment because you can't push just your content. You have to push everything if that's going to happen. And that can be very... And that's on the server too. That's not in DevKit. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that is that is on the, the platform itself as a feature. Um, but it does work well. Like the the feature as it is constructed does its job and we we use it quite regularly to deploy we use github uh, to host our uh, themes we deploy those into our dev site we check it out if everything works great we're able to move that between dev and staging and and so forth uh, there are other tools stagecoach is one that comes to mind it's a a, a paid software as a service platform um, there's a plugin called wp staging which i don't have experience with but is supposed to operate kind of in that realm is there is there a tool for WordPress that's like a like a deployment script like like in Rails we have um, Capistrano where you just do like cap deploy and then it handles a whole lot of stuff like copying or SSHing into the the target environment and then cloning down the repo into a new directory and setting up symlinks and then like restarting Passenger and everything else. It's is there something like that for WordPress? I've Sorry? seen WordPress sites on Capistrano. Oh, really? I've seen, but most people aren't developing a full site. You're developing a theme or a plugin, right? So yeah. it's you. You have to be a little bit careful on how you handle some of those tools. For instance, my plugins. When I I don't have anything left on WordPress.org, I gave my last one away. But I had a, a Bash script that would handle all the tagging and everything just to send it to WordPress.org. So it just it depends on. It's so platform specific to what you're sending them to that. Yeah, there's tools out there, but what you're building, where you're sending it at 15, you know, what day of the week it is and phase of the moon are going to depend on which one's going to work for you. And you can <laughs> leverage the WPCLI for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so you can, you could script out something that would say, for instance, push all the new content after X date. You could query the CLI for pages or whatever. I just forget that exists. But that's really cool. But it's, that's very like, you, you got to be a plumber. Um, you know, that's, that is high level stuff once you're getting into that. Cause not only do you have to know the CLI, you've got to know scripting and whatnot. You've got to have either, uh, you know, Jenkins or you know, something set up for the CI piece of it. It's not easy. Like that. And, and there isn't a good, like that, that still to me is an unsolved problem, uh, across the ecosystem for the most part. It's so unsolved that when I started on this dev kit project, they had uh, a quasi merging database thing and it, no way we can't put this on customer sites it's, it wasn't good it wasn't ready for that it was at scale so we we don't even have it in dev kit yet because that is such a crazy problem nobody's solved it it feels you know the the when it when you talk about wordpress and doing development versus production environments and trying to move data between them it, you start to realize why there are cmss with these features and they're enterprise level and they cost a lot of money because while it seems intuitive where you say, well, I just want to push this page. 
it can be done. There are certainly, you know, there are the plugins that will do it, but they are complicated pieces of work because when you get under the hood and you start looking at, you know, the way content is established, the way IDs come into play, the way content is related through the media library to it, and that stuff is all ID'd and has its own stuff, um, you know, whether or not there are plugin dependencies and there are all these little intricacies that start to come into play to say, well, I want to push this page and make sure that all the right stuff ends up there and none of the wrong stuff does. Uh, that's complicated. And that's what happens when you have a database schema designed originally for a blog. And 15 yeah. years, 16 years later, it, it hasn't <laughs> scaled all that well in that er arena. And MySQL, quite frankly, lacks some of the power necessary, I think, to do that well uh, in some cases. It's gotten better. It's gotten, it's gotten better. better. It's gotten a lot better. But yeah, you're you're right. It's still it's not it's not as sophisticated as Postgres and some of the others. Yeah. Um, so this is where we start to lead into then your work, Chris. Um, so you teamed up with a fella on your team, Jason Stallings, is my understanding, and you said there's got to be a better way. And so, how long ago did you start in on this? I don't know if you're going to talk about it now or later, but at some point, if you could talk specifically about what it is that this product is. Sure. Maybe we should back up and say what this product is. The product <laughs> back up and say what this is. I'm cool with that. It's a, you know, I've looked at these as Mike was given the, uh, Fina was given a little bit of the history of these types of applications earlier. You had the original set it up on your machine. Well, then you're maintaining, what happens when you go to the next machine? So then things like MAMP and WAMP came out. That's great, but what happens in a team of 20 when everybody set their things up differently and you go to yeah. try to launch it? it? It becomes a nightmare. Generation 2, if you will, was kind of the vagrants and, and, and plain Docker type stuff. Vagrant being a full virtual machine. You could package it up in one file, run it. Problem was you need basically a $3,000 Mac to keep the thing from crashing if, you're, if you have any more than a few sites going. It, it, it's very resource intensive. Right. Now we're moving on to Docker, which containerizes all these applications, and we're looking beyond just running them with other types of tools that can that can do some fancier stuff. And that's kind of where this is. I call it kind of like a generation two and a half at the moment. Idea here being, you know, if generation three is all the content transfers that you were talking about just a few minutes ago, nobody's quite there yet. We're kind of about two and a half. So this gives you all your local development environment, Nginx, PHP, same PHP as on the WP Engine farm. It can push and pull code from the sites. It can pull your database down. So we just can't push it. It's too dangerous to try to push to production. But it can connect all your WP Engine sites. It's got things like traffic to manage what, you know, multiple sites under a single container. Port conflicts you mentioned earlier. It'll auto-resolve port conflicts. Or you can set a permanent hmm. port if you know what's going on. It'll, it, that's actually something we just built in last week. It'll, if port 80 is already taken, it'll say, hey, let's start at 3,000. And keep going until it finds an empty port. It'll, that's what it'll grab. So you don't have the Mac huh. issues with that. Uh, it's got MIDM proxies, which is capturing all post requests out, outbound. So if, you're, if you've done some, not, not that I've ever done this before, you know, but if you have like <laughs> Jetpack on with social sharing and you write a test post for your client, it's not going to go out to your client's entire Twitter. <laughs> it's it, it's going to intercept that. Like, like I say, not that I not that I would know directly about that one. It's like there's a story behind that. <laughs> it was a very large client that made a very large operating system that I happened to have, write a test, do a test post for, and it went up to their Twitter. But um, 
that's all I could, that's as far as I could say on that one. But uh, <laughs> it, it'll intercept emails, all outbound emails. So it's on the same type of thing, if, if you're working with a, a mailer, mailer plugin, we've got uh, what they call ma- something called MailHog in there that'll intercept all of that. All outbound emails, you can use it just like you would Gmail. It's got a web interface. You know, if you want to do a password reset, it'll send it to you. You can check your email. You can interact with it. It just, nothing's going to go out to the web. Nice. You know, t- simple tools like that. All the caching's on there. You can test it with Vagrant, which is what we use on our farm. You can test it with Memcache is what we used on our farm. Uh, X to bugs in there. You can turn that X to bug with cookies. You can tell it to, you can turn on auto starts. You can debug APIs easily. PHP units in there. It sounds like it fully silos like all the functionality of a WordPress installation. And that's the idea, as, as much as possible. The only thing we're not on yet is content. When you pull a site down, initial clone from our farm, you can get your database. Or you can do what a pull and say replace database, but it's replace your local database. So if you're working with something like WooCommerce and you're doing a whole lot of configuration in the database, it re- places your database you have to be a little careful with some of that stuff and that goes back to you know it's one thing to even say content but if we're working with something say pods framework which is a great content designing framework how do you get into all these special tables and everything else so right now we're not even tech you know this is two days into beta we're not even really <laughs> tackling that problem yet we're trying to just get some of these workflows down and right now we have a workflow it's basically for a, a full site of course you can launch a you can do project new blank so if you want to uh, call it a blank project. If you want to run Laravel in it, you can run anything in PHP in the thing, but it's really designed the current workflow around full WordPress sites. Hmm. Cool. You mentioned that uh, you were brought up, of course, Docker and Vagrant as sort of what things are evolving into from a, a workflow standpoint. Because like I say, now we're at this point where we're thinking about this as I, I'm part of a team. I work with other folks who need to edit these WordPress sites from time to time. We need a this and I used this phrase in the last episode, I think the single source of truth. Uh, you know, we all need to be working from the same point to make sure that our output is the same because we're all working together, we're all committing to the same places and all of that. Uh, Flywheel is another one that comes to mind. I have not used Flywheel, but it's been recommended to me about a billion and seven <laughs> times by this point. Um, but it, it also it's it is a tool right that is in a the very a very similar wheelhouse to this. Uh, Correct. Pun intended. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Flywheel's <laughs> got one. Pantheon's come out with one in the last few months. And then there's server presses still out there. There's all kinds of tools out there for this. This this one started, it was actually a hackathon project about a year before I got here. Hmm. And then I was recruited. Stephen Word had approached me last summer and said, hey, do you want to come work with this? And I had been working on a v- different Vagrant and Docker projects for the University of Florida and on my own. You know, there's triple V for WordPress, which is uh, very invagrant vagrants. And that's been out a few <laughs> years. And back in my 10 up days, it had th- it didn't have things I wanted. So I had been doing my own vagrant box, which had get- I had a few hundred stars on, on GitHub. So I've, you know, I've been playing that side a lot. On the flip side, with all the hosts coming out with things, there were some efforts internally. So when I came on, Jason Stallings had been brought on just a few weeks before I had. So it was, it was called Team Jason. It was Jason Cohen, who was one of the... Co- company founders who was one of the original hackathon folks and jason stallings and then i came in last september 17th was my first day here so i came in right at that point and we started we've been building it ever since Hmm. so you you kind of touch on the same problem i had uh with docker um 
you had it with Vagrant, it sounds like. But the, this idea that local Docker works, you can set up a site. I've got a, this Docker Compose file that is designed to um, deploy our site with the theme. The theme is set up with a link to our repo. It, it does all this cool stuff. Um, but it's not great. Uh, the experience has left me a little bit lacking. One of the things uh, is, like, I'm using the stock WordPress image that's in a Docker Hub, but I've noticed that there are issues with file permissions inside that image. Like, when I spin up the, the container, I have to then go in and permission the, the WP content folder manually because for some reason it's deploying with the wrong permissions on it, and <laughs> nobody's bothered fixing that um and i would but i don't know how so i can't fix <laughs> i can't fix that for them um you know bitnami is one that some folks have probably if you've looked into using docker with wordpress the bitnami uh, images have probably passed your radar at some point they have kind of approached this with uh that idea of kind of trying to solve some of those problems i also think they de recommend deploying with maria db instead of mysql for what it's mm. worth but you end up, even if you get your stuff running perfectly and, and you've figured out the issues with, like, database and file persistence and all of this, because the fun thing is when you're developing just a theme and you've included your Docker stuff in the theme, you, you, it get, in, you get into this whole git ignore uh, chain with, like, storing the MySQL files locally and then git ignoring those files, and it's, it's hairy. But you, you get there. <laughs> you figure it out. Um, but you then have to maintain those Docker Compose files. So when WordPress updates, you got to go in and change, you know, make sure you're running on whatever version of the image that you're going to be running on on your local site and things like that. So it's good. It's getting there, but it still feels like a grind. And I think, you know, there is a technical level of expertise that comes with really running Docker well that, isn't friendly to like a low level, like a junior dev, I think. I, I think that's exactly it. And that's kind of where this one, that's kind of what we're trying to fix. You know, I, I, I've said before, OSXFS, which is Mac's Docker's file abstraction layer, if you will, for Mac. It's their, you know, they do things different than every other operating system with Mac. <laughs> trying to normalize that has, has been all kinds of fun. But those are the types of things, especially this early beta we've been trying to tackle rather than, you know, we don't have 50 different workflows for public plugin developers or theme developers yet. We have all the files you set in the thing are going to work. We can, move, we can move your code to and from wherever you need it to move. But that is, yeah, you're right. Docker is a real SOB. <laughs> one of the things we want to do in the future is we want to work plugins in. One of, the, you know, one of the big types of plugins that somebody's probably going to use is, well, I have a different PHP configuration I need to use. Okay, great. Here's how you can work in your PHP image. How is that going to break what we've already set up for you? So trying to keep that, stabilize that before it gets to that point, is a, it, it is a challenge. And we're getting real close on at this level. But now it comes down to trying to make that all work with different people's workflows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does the, I, I remember I had Docker training a couple of years ago, long ago. And there was a, th I remember you could have a folder on your file system mounted like as part of the Docker Compose. So like you spin up the Docker image and then it's pulling some data from kind of a, a, a location external to the Docker image. Um, is that, does that get used with this? Like, yeah, can you, we're if you relying have a... entirely on Docker volumes. Okay. Okay. 
So you would have like a theme or something, and then you would just tell the Docker file, uh, right, here's the theme is over here, and then it would. Basically, your web root is mounted wherever it needs to be. Data, you okay. know, and then there's there's a subfolder dot w. It's a hidden subfolder. Well, hidden on Mac and Linux is what you're, what we're running right now, which mm -hmm. contains your database and all that. The only tricky part with the whole thing has been, for instance, on Mac or on Linux, we have to in the PHP folder we have to make sure that the that the user matches your system user. Yeah, there's but there's some tricks there that we've worked in, but for the most part, once you get those volumes mounted, it, it's it's slow as hell on Mac. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's something we're working on right now. In fact, uh, Jason Stallings, the work the, the team's up to eight as of April, but uh, cool. Jason Stallings in particular has been working on the last few days, really going back and revisiting the database because what do you do the most? You're right reading and writing from that database volume. Boy, can that we're MySQL 5.7, which is what we run in our farm, put that together on OSXFS, and it gets a little painful for some people. So we're, work, we're working out a lot of those performance problems right now as we speak. And so is Docker. One of the big, you know, we've kind of waited saying, well, maybe Docker will have some of these updates before we go to beta. They're not moving as quick as we are right now. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're rethinking things a little bit. But I mean, it's, it's enough of a problem that it is one of the big pushes in Docker itself, especially you know, Docker used to require Vagrant on Mac and Windows. Huh. It used to be before Docker for Mac or Docker Suite or whatever it's called on the Mac side, you know, because Docker is a Linux technology. They didn't have the virtualization, virtualization. So you had to install Vagrant. And it installed a virtual box and then ran all your containers in that virtual box. Now it does huh. it a little bit different, but it still has its own little VM that it's running that can, and all these file system abstraction layers that can get a little wonky, especially on Mac. We, we don't even run on Windows yet. I tried running this thing in WSL a couple of weeks ago and it didn't get <laughs> me very far. So that's something, that's something we want to work out in the beta too. But it's Turtles all the way down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I got excited because when and for the listeners at home, um, we use WP Engine uh, at my company. We've got all of our WordPress sites hosted in it. Um, satisfied customer, then not a <laughs> not a paid testimonial. Um, I I like WP Engine. It works very well for us. Um, I I think it 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 does what it, what we need it to very very nicely. And I was super excited when I saw they had Git integration. I mm. became less excited when I saw how Git integration worked. <laughs> because it was kind of just a proxy for FTP is kind of what it amounted to. And you what you had to do was you had to put your entire site into the Git repo then, not just the oh, theme or the plugin. It, it was not, not, not normal. Um, but m my immediate reaction to the dev kit was a very positive, even though it uses a similar modality in pulling down the whole site. Uh, once that file system is on your computer it's very easy then to host your stuff in your own folders with your own repos or whatever at that point. Mm. Um, but this is like, I, I saw from, from second one, I saw the value and how this was going to change the way I build Word, WordPress websites. Cool. And yeah, they get things funny. That's exact. When we, up until about a month ago, this was completely based on, they called it two way Git, and it was really, replacement replace stftp with git yeah it's a neat idea but it doesn't really work that way that's not what git's designed to do so there's and nobody two, wants two... to maintain wordpress as a whole in their git repo 
That's why two, you have updates. Two way get. Yeah, I, 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 that's the name they were using. And in fairness, that project's still in play. It's just they're they're rethinking how they run Git. But what, huh. the whole site was checked out, but it was only on one of your environments. So if you push to stage, how do you switch brand? You know, there was a lot of things. So we swapped over to rsync. So now there is no Git involved at all on the dev kit side huh. of things, which is nice because you can do whatever workflow you want. And as we start expanding to, you know, I want to make particular, in particular, I want plugins and themes to be first class citizen. WP project new plugin or, you know, check out your plugin and, and assign the WPE dev kit folder to it. Now you can run everything with all your tests, everything, you know, full copy of WordPress, other plugins you need, everything's right there. And you can just push and pull from your own Git repo and you don't have to worry about that. Then we can start looking at things like CI, Circ maybe it's Circle CI or Travis and other ways to deploy to and from our platform rather than just, uh, I mean, the Git idea was great. It just didn't quite scale to the level of a lot of people's workflows, especially when, yeah, most folks don't keep an entire site in Git. So we're kind of rethinking a lot of that stuff and a lot, there's a whole lot of workflows, not just my team, but there's a whole lot of team working on workflow right now. So that should hopefully be some neat stuff by the end of the year or so. So let's hmm. dig in specifically into DevKit. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about, or I didn't need to talk about, I just want to say, <laughs> while this is a tool being released by WP Engine, it is not necessarily limited to WP Engine. Anybody can use the dev kit for the most part. You just don't get every benefit, obviously, because you are kind of tied, like the push-pull mechanism, the clone mechanism, those are very much bound to having a WordPress Engine account. But if I just said, I want, you know, I'm going to do WPE uh, new project test, it'll start up a perfectly good WordPress site for me. Yeah, hmm. Although, and we are trying to pluginize eventually our push and our, all our connectors, so the push and pull for files and database. So if somebody wants to write a push and pull or do another service, the pot, I, I can't say for sure when that's going to happen, but that will happen eventually. Yeah. But right now, the only thing you're losing, it's completely free to anybody. The only thing you're losing is push and pull directly from our system. And I, I will say that even without that, just that ability to spin up an environment and just have it work. If you, if you feel like Docker is daunting, or you're scared of uh, if you're scared of trying to edit your own Docker Compose file, then that's one of those things that it's like this solves all of that. It's a couple commands and you're good to go, basically. Or you can have six different sites all running with SSL, all with first class SSL support. We generate a root cert that's only on your machines. Every machine that runs this has a root cert only on its machine. You can assign that to your machine, just like you know, assign it to your root store. Now you don't even have SSL errors like a lot of this does. So that all that stuff, yeah, it, it, it's the idea is to make it as simple as possible. And if you don't know about SSL, feel free to go back to episode 12, where we also had Chris on, and he will be more than happy to educate you in that episode a little bit about some of the security aspects of web development. Anyway, uh, the, the way I, I wrote this in the show notes, I used the phrase, it's a curated Docker experience for WordPress. You have basically said Docker is the solution for this, but we don't want you to have to think about that. Um, and I, I really respect that because from the moment I started using it, that was the way it felt. I didn't have to think about, you know, which versions of stuff I was typing. I didn't have to think about those. Now, it may come in when I start getting into version development and stuff. Maybe that will come up. But 
from the start at least it just worked for me and that was a very nice feeling <laughs> i was say yeah what we have on it so far is is quite stable i mean there's little things here and there that were, you know it's early beta of course we're finding bugs that we're pushing updates for but it what we have in there is exactly that it's curated docker that is stable yeah um do does the user have to have Docker itself installed on their machine, or does this come with what it needs uh, from a dependency standpoint? There, you do have currently you have to install it. Uh, we're, we're, we have two install methods that we're supporting at the moment. On Mac, we're only supporting through Homebrew, so it's brew.sh. Homebrew. Think of for anybody who hasn't used Homebrew before, think of it as the Mac App Store. Only it's all command line, and it actually has everything. So you can install everything from Chrome to Docker to whatever you use. I have yet to find something I can't install through Homebrew. Homebrew is awesome. Yeah, and it, it's and but that can also specify dependencies. So ideally, hmm. what we'll probably do is have Docker as the cast dependency. Right now, where I'm a little for such an early beta, what we've never tried this as a company. What are the ramifications for that? If I say Docker CE is a dependency and they have something else. Did I just screw up somebody's entire work machine? <laughs> Let's not do that this early. And on the on the uh, Linux side, we're just doing this. We have our own little app repo company wide nice. already. So it's just we give you the you know we give you the app key. You can, it's just done through apt. That's can, awesome. And I went through that process. That was exactly what I used, and it just it just worked. It's like four commands totally or in total. Yeah, and that's you, you did the app side. You, you installed it on Linux. Yep. Yep. Yeah. On Windows, we're going to use something called Scoop for initial. We actually have that set up, but we don't have, we're using, this whole thing's written in Golang. And there's something really cool called Go Releaser, which does so much of this for you. But so we actually have a Windows repo set up for that thing. <laughs> but the Windows, the Windows binary itself, because of all the pathing problems and everything, we don't have that working yet. So we're, we're getting there. I, I will give one word of caution. I say it just worked. Um, it, it I had ran into one hiccup, but it was my fault, which was that the version of Ubuntu that I'm running, which I think is 18.04, um, the default version of Docker Compose that is like the, the gold standard is 117, and I think yours needs 123. So I had to update my local version of Docker Compose, but hmm. that was trivial, so... And that's one of the reasons I don't have, have uh, that's that specific one on app side is why I'm not listing Docker as a dependency. Because if you want a current version of Docker, you have to use Docker's own app repo. They do not distribute Docker Compose, a current version, on any rep, rep, app repo I can find anywhere. You have to Sorry. manually download the binary and just Weird. put it in your path. <sighs> oh, I did it. <laughs> yep, if I can it, do it, anybody can. <laughs> and because it's such a pain in the butt, I just linked to the, I think we, in our documentation, we're just linking to the instructions for Docker for right now. And so we can come up with a better solution. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I stole this from uh, WP Tavern. So WP Tavern on, I think the 12th or, or 11th, they put out a little announcement of this whole thing. Um, and they've got a nice little write up in, that includes some of the details. So I, I copied the feature list straight from them. I'm just going to read down it very quickly for everybody. So if you go get the dev kit, what you're getting is a container-based local development environment, which I think we've kind Ooh. of described at this point. Uh, you get SSH gateway access, um, push and pull deployments to WP Engine, preview your local site and others via Ingrok. Um, that's your local uh, serving. 
preview your local site with others via ingrok because i read that a second time because my eyes didn't skip to the next line which was php <laughs> version selection <laughs> email testing client mysql local ssh and wpcli genesis framework integration php my admin web grind varnish https proxy and xdebug that's a lot of stuff to get in one package that when i mentioned earlier that doc maintaining docker compose files is kind of a pain in the ass that's kind of what you've taken care of there, right, Chris? You've added all that in, and you're you're taking care of that for me. Yeah. <laughs> and we're actually maintaining all our own Docker, or Docker images. Oh so gosh, we, we pull them all. Everything's version to the to, you know. For instance, just to keep that in, in check, we run Jenkins internally. Jenkins is a CI server, so when we push to a new release, we just tell it Simber push pull you know master or main or major minor patch. Tell it the release number. It does the release stuff, generates the change log, pushes it all, builds every image for every version, and tags it with the version of the software. And wow. tests, I hope. Oh yeah, all of it runs unit. Now we don't have a lot of Docker tests yet. Again, early beta. Not all of our testing. We're still working some of this out. Chris, come on, man. But uh, yeah, we're, we have. We do have. We're using Jest and of course uh, Go Test. So we're, we do have a good. We're we have. Let's just say we have good enough coverage for a first beta yeah. on, the, on unit tests. And just is growing our just test suite, acceptance testing. And for everybody else, if you aren't familiar with the phrase CI, it's, it means continuous integration. So what it means is as you commit things, it's continuously running some kind of command. So if you commit to a Git repo, it may detect that uh, that push and it will pull the repo and then compile code or run tests, deploy things, um, send them to an alpha server, gold server, a staging server. Um, it's it's kind of that middleman that does all the things that we used to write lots and lots of scripts and commands for, basically. So yeah. i throw that out there. I want to hit on one of these very briefly because it was the one that caught my eye the most out of everything. Genesis framework integration. Uh, explain that part to me. What's uh, what are you pulling in from Genesis and and empowering there for folks? Serious, serious question. What is Genesis Framework? Fair question. Genesis, is, sure. Genesis is a theme framework we bought. Studio Press was the theme company, and we purchased them. We being WP Engine purchased them last July. Yeah. Oh, Big news. Okay. And oh, what, right, right. Big news. Yeah, yeah. About ten or eleven years old. They've got some great themes. One of the oldest and probably best written. Uh, WordPress theme frameworks out there. Our Genesis theme integration is really simple right now. We have a first class WPE is our, you know, right now this thing's only CLI, the, the GUI's, excuse me, under development. But uh, so if you type WPE Genesis, it, you could run, if you have Genesis installed, it, it'll run the Genesis CLI commands. We're, cool. we're looking at expanding that to downloading Genesis if you're a customer and things like that, but there's no authentication with this yet. So all those stuff that we're, that that's growing into, you know, Hey, I want to develop a Genesis thing. Hey, you know, so W project, new Genesis child, you know, things mm -hmm. like that are in the works, but for right now, it's just a wrapper on the WPCLI Genesis command, which of course you have to have Genesis installed for, okay. but this is all growing. Cool. That's awesome. So the process for using this, if you're interested in, in figuring out what this is all about, first and foremost, um, we'll have a link in the show notes. Go to the dev kit landing page. You go to the landing page, you fill out a quick form, and they give you a download file or uh, instructions. I can't remember which way it went. Uh, instructions. Instructions, yeah. 
Um, and then you have to do the download because you're either downloading stuff for Xcode or, or a homebrew, rather, and uh, doing apt-get work. Install that. Relatively painless. If you're listening to this episode and you get in there and you try it and you get stuck, send us a message. I'll help you out. And I'll figure out a way to get to work you through that. I'm sure we can figure out what the problem is. Get it installed. That's first and foremost. Then you run... I Let me see if I can do this from memory. It's WP Setup, which asks a few very... WPE. Quick, WPE. That's WP, because sorry. that's really easy to get confused. Yes, sorry. <laughs> so I can't do it from memory. We've lo- we now know. Uh, WPE Setup, it'll ask you a few questions, of which I know one is your WordPress engine email address, which if you don't have, you don't have, so you just skip that question. It asks some other questions. I think there are like four questions, and I... I remember the email one. I don't remember the other ones, but they're just very simple, you know, environmental type questions. Email, which is a holdback to Git, and that's still the only reason way we can tell internal and external. Internal users put your we put our own WP Engine email in there, so in our in our in our anonymous analytics, that's the only thing way we have to tell internal versus external users. <laughs> nice and simple. Interesting. Uh, it asks you what if you'd like analytics turned on. That's we right. We do use Google yes. Analytics, and all Google Analytics is doing is reporting events for what command you run, if it passed or failed, and in the case of a clone, how long it took. It, that's all we're collecting. Oh, interesting. That's actually super cool because it demonstrates a use of analytics outside of a web page. It's collecting it for for you, like the people maintaining it. Correct. We have our own. No, it, it's we have a Google Analytics account at WP Engine. So instead of a website, I mean, we're we're a web company, right? So Google Analytics is a natural fit. Yeah. So, but instead of we're not recording page views or anything, so it's what command did it pass or fail, and uh, time yeah. it took to clone a site. So the That's email cool. address only it it adds one other variable if you're internal or external based on what your email is. That's hmm. so it's completely anonymous. It doesn't send the email or anything, but that's the second question. Then if you have SSH set up already, it asks you if you want to set up as oh for actually right. first it's auto updates. I can't even remember the order. Do you want <laughs> do you want to automatically check for updates? And then it goes into do you want us to set up do you want it to set up an SSH key right. for you? Which the yeah. SSH again is only uh useful at this point if you're a WP engine client. Correct. Uh and also uh worth noting Make sure if you go through that step um, that you, if you use, like I have a, a, a SSH key pair that I use for many things that's already generated. Um, and I can't remember if you say yes or no. I went through one of those and I had to go back and redo it because it generated one for me. And I was like, oh no, I don't want to use the generated one. I have one that is hmm. the key. So yeah, I use my Yubi key and I've screwed that one up, not paying attention a couple yeah. of times. It's <laughs> it's actually now I think it automatically, if you just press enter, it won't generate one for that, you. That so was, it should be huh. a little bit easier. But um so yeah, but very quick, very easy. Run the questions. It's you know, if you if you can't answer them, just don't. Um then it's as simple as if you're a WP engine customer, then it's a WPE clone and then your uh environment name. Uh otherwise WPE project new name or project new name new can't remember which new name new name uh and it'll just it'll download the latest version of wordpress it'll make a folder for you put all that in there and you have a site running at i think it's uh whatever the name is so if you say it's test site it's going to be test site dot test colon 3000 and you just have a site running 
or it won't even be 3000. You already had 80 used on your port. So it automatically oh. assigned 3000 for you. Yes. Yeah. You are, you are <laughs> correct actually, because I have, I, and this is where, so I said earlier, if you already have services bound to port 80, I run a local Apache because I run a uh, main WP. I run a local version of main WP to manage all my WordPress sites. And I just didn't want to screw with ports. So I said port 80 and I assigned it a domain name and, and went. So yeah, my port 80 is used and it skipped to the next available. I bring that up partially because I wrote that feature last week before we went <laughs> public. You know, kind of last minute, but it works but, great. <laughs> but it works. And it's, again, it's one of those things that we used to have to think about. Or if you're a Docker user, yeah. you have to think about what port can I bind this to? And, our, you know, the, the normal way is roll dice and and yeah. see what comes up. And that's the, the port we'll assign to it over, uh, over uh, 3,000 or whatever. Um, but once you have that, it sets everything up. It runs through a, a cleanup process, and then it says you're good to go. All you have to do is run WP start or WPE start, WPE stop. And start and stop brings that server up and down in that folder. And you, if, once you run start, you've got a site running. If you type in your domain name with a port if, uh, if, if you need to, it's there and as complete as it needs to be in terms of whether you clone stuff. The... The way that I've done it in the past, like my process was with Docker, use a vanilla WordPress image. It downloads uh, and, and sets up. I have 2019 running, um, but I'll use something like Updraft to pick up a whole backup file, bring it over, drop it in, and then that gives me all my content, all my plugins, everything that I was running on the site that I'm working on, for instance. Um, and you can do that here as well. If, that's, if you're yep. not a WP Engine client, and you still want to use the tool and do that, that's just the process you would use is whatever backup tool you use, install that on this site and then pull a, a database over. Easy peasy. <laughs> At least I hope it sounds that way. Yep, that's that's what it'll do. I mean, you can access the database locally through whatever you want to access it through. It's a little tricky on Mac so far because just because of the way Mac handles port mapping with Docker. Mm. Everything's accessible, but only... There's only a couple things that are accessible as far as how this stuff works. Uh, traffic, so you're only dealing with one container with open ports. We use Coors uh, restrictions as well as binding to 12701. So we're not, you know, a lot of people do Docker. And if you go to our coffee shop or everything, all your shit, pardon my French, is available to anybody on that same Wi-Fi. So we've made sure we, we really paid attention to security on this thing. That, that's called security through obscurity. <laughs> hoping somebody doesn't just guess numbers right <laughs> but it's... well in this case it's bound to your 12701 right, yeah, yeah. So the only way you can get to it externally is with ngrok that and that's where max the way mac handles docker is not awesome it, and it took and i'm hoping you know once again it's an early beta cuz we we've, we've been trying to really lock that stuff down if somebody finds a vulnerability please let us know we'll gladly fix it we're We'd only, we don't have a huge user base yet to test all this stuff, but that's exactly what we're trying to do is make sure we take care of all that Docker issues that pop up otherwise. Yeah. So let's talk about that, though, because um, obviously this phrase has come up a lot, right? Early beta. This is mm -hmm. a beta release. Obviously, you guys are excited. I'm sure WP Engine is, is thrilled about what this can do to uh, you know, their prospects and how they can empower the folks who develop stuff on their service. Um, so obviously there's a lot to come. 
the the first that uh, I know has been mentioned in, in some of the articles, I think WP Tavern uh, has mentioned it, you alluded to it, was coming up with a, a GUI so that if you're not comfortable in the command line, which some developers just aren't, and that's okay, um, there will at some point be a GUI that might help you along. Graphical user interface. Think like a local, sorry, I hate comparing it to local by flywheel because that's not what we're basing the GUI off of. But uh, <laughs> if you were to use local by flywheel or desktop server or one of the others, it, it would work more like that with a CLI. Is Both GUI and CLI are first-class citizens at that point. So it's not other tools. You got to pick one or the other, and there's always something that doesn't work one way or the other. That's That's what we're trying to avoid heavily with this one. And the GUI will be available before this comes out of beta. We're hoping to have a GUI in alpha within the next quarter, give or take. What are you, what are you using for the GUI? It'll most likely be Electron. What is it okay. these days? <laughs> right. Yeah, true. Especially because cool. we are supporting Linux and Mac first. And, as we, and then we're going to support Linux, of course, or Windows, of course. So Electron's the only real yeah. solution. Nice. Now, that makes sense. Um, Electron uh, is a framework, like if you used... Uh, whether it's Discord or Slack, a lot of folks mm -hmm. have experience with one or those, one or both of those. Those are both built on Electron. Um, just Visual as... Studio Code. Oh, is it really? Uh, oh, yeah. uh, so is uh, GitHub's Atom developer. And Atom? Uh, yeah. Not Sublime, yeah. though. Sublime is built in Python. I think, you know, I always like to say it's a better, a better way. The way I like to say, explain Electron is basically we're running Chrome, a, a sandbox Chrome browser just for our app because that's really what Electron does, right? It's, it's huh. a sandbox Chrome browser that's just pulling everything back in. Cool. So I, I have to ask the big question, which is obviously this is important for WP Engine. Uh, you are, uh, the, anything a company does is first and foremost looking towards itself. The push-pull mechanism is awesome. Um, being able to clone a site down is is great, but Will we see that maybe for self-hosted sites at some point in the future? I would say yes. The, the long-term plans are, you know, the, the mission, if you will, of this team is to win the, win the hearts and minds of developers. I know that sounds very, <laughs> it is, it's, it, okay, yes, it's very corporate speak, right? But the team is really, is really living toward it. One of the things we're really working hard on right now is how we want to do APIs on it. So you can write a plugin. We've built uh, just today, I think, emerged a complete redesign of our database puller, push and puller. And these are all re-architected in a way that we can add different, you don't want to push and pull a database from us or, you, you know, we had Git that we were pushing, pulling files from. Then we switched it to rsync. And all these methods are being re-architected that you can push and pull in any way you want as long as the same types of files are coming. So that could be self-hosted sites. Maybe that's your, you know, your, your, WordPress site integrates with your Laravel app. So maybe it's your Laravel app you can develop in it too. That goes to your other server. Yeah, I don't like to say that it could go to another host, but of course it can. I mean, that's, let's be realistic here. But I mean, even to support our own customers, that kind of functionality is necessary. Because if you're working in an enterprise environment where you're building in Laravel, you're building in, in other types of things that have to interact with your WordPress site, we want you to be able to do that all in one tool and not have to play you know, this isn't just a side tool just for your WordPress site. It can work with your other other items. And that's something we're really looking, spending a lot of time on and looking to do right is how that plugin API can go. And that's where, how that you would build in different functionality for different things at that point. So if I'm, let's say, a developer at Updraft, 
um, which is a backup and, and restore plugin for folks who aren't familiar. I'm not, I'm, but let's say I am. Um, <laughs> there is you know, maybe a road where I could look at your tool and be like, I'm going to write a, a hook into your, uh, your push-pull process that would look for an updraft backup file at a site you know given an api key or something like that that could then when when you do a wpe start it could clone a site automatically from a backup file maybe exactly and that's frankly the the more direct use cases are I, I, you know obviously we, we want this to work as a work our integration with our platform has got to be first class citizens so the, the php images are going to match what's on our farm things like that at least the default ones but yeah, something like updraft. So you're coming from XYZ host. We can give you a better experience here, but then we can also make it easier outside of that plugin to push and pull from our platform at some point. So it, it does become a funnel pack. And of course, that's the general idea. But the plugin system will allow you to push and pull from where you need to get your data from. Cool. Is is the uh, is this whole thing maintained in like a, a re repository somewhere? Or like, a, is it open source or are you guys keeping it it's Secret. currently a private GitHub repo. Okay. I can tell you that every engineer on the team is very anxious to change that, whether or not we're, this is a very different thing for us too, right? Yeah. WP Engine's never done anything like this before. So there's a lot of questions about how we do this, how we do this right, how we do this and support it correctly. So up and, up and down the line. So if the engineers have anything to say about it, it will be an open GitHub repo as soon as possible. Right. Whether or not that, maybe we don't have anything to say i can't promise it'll actually happen but that is what we what we would like to see happen it seems it seems like that would be in line with uh your intention to make it eventually work with all things and not just wp engine exactly and i think yeah. even just tomorrow at tomorrow afternoon i have a one hour meeting just on excuse me as we talk about open source strategy, strategies for it mm -hmm. and it's not that the company wants to hide anything it really becomes well, this is new. How do we do this? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that feeling. Uh, I know yeah. that feeling well. It's, yeah, I, I get it. Um, let me switch gears a little bit. Uh, and you mentioned part of this, uh, the answer to this question, I think, which, because my question was going to go towards um, test suites. So if you have read any of like the, uh, the make.wordpress.org uh, documentation, if you're a theme developer or a plugin developer, they have references to PHP unit and QUnit, uh, respectively, for setting up testing on the things you're making so that if you want to eventually release something to the, the theme repo or the plugin repo, um, you'll be able to do that. It sounds like you said you've already got PHP unit included or, or soon to be included. PHP image or the PHP unit is on the PHP image. So you can, and there's a WPE bash command. So you can just go into that box. We're trying to find a better way to wrap that a little bit, you know, bash in and then start doing everything on a different <laughs> box. It's going to get a little tedious. So it, it's there, but it's not something we're heavily advertising because we're trying to improve the UX around it. It's, it's not the easiest thing to use, but there is PHP unit. Of course, X debugs already there. I'd like to see WordPress coding standards and, uh, fully integrated so it would be just a simple you know maybe a, a visual studio code or whatever editor you got add this dev kit plugin for that and oh now you got code standards now you can directly run your test you know it sets up your test suite so you just hit run your test on whatever you're in all that stuff's coming down the line but the ux of it is definitely it, it's a very manual process for today yeah and that that went into a direction I didn't even think about in terms of being able to load mm. the dev kit into your editor. 
and and bring in some of that stuff so that it's already done and integrated from a, a coding standpoint. That would be very killer. Yeah, maybe, you know, and of course we want the GUI, our GUI to kind of serve as a, a central piece of information, but there's no reason that uh, the right plugin in Visual Studio Code, for instance, that's that's what I've switched to, especially since I've gone to, to Golang, but we can't hit, okay, start this site, stop this site. You know, there's mm. different, there, there's a lot of different possibilities coming down the pipe, but the whole idea is just simply, it's it's going to be to simply, or to simplify these these workflows. The catch is right now with, yeah, I think we were really excited today. We figured we had 35 active users this week as of, as of this morning or yesterday morning, I forget which day, which is a almost thousand percent increase from where we were. <laughs> I'm one. <laughs> I'm, I am absolutely one of those. And as we get more folks, it's, you know, the other thing is we're a team of two up until April 1st. Well, three with our pro product manager, but only two of us have ever worked on WordPress before. And the current team, most of them have, haven't worked on WordPress at all. So how opinionated do we want to get to, dic to, to dic dictate workflows? So as we get more users, now we can start saying, oh, okay, most of the people on our platform really do want X workflow. So let's try to make that a better citizen. Right now, it's just a single. Clone a single site, work on a single site, push a single site. Great. Hmm. That does take care of a lot of a lot of items. But now, and that leaves a really big floor that we can expand that to. So let me uh, ask the big question, which comes into one of the challenges with Docker, for instance. Um, one of our workflow challenges has been if you are a new developer uh, or let's say you've cleaned up your, your development environment because you haven't touched a site for a year, but now you've got a ticket that you need to clone the site down and work on it. Um, the process of using just Docker, pull down the repo, run Docker Compose up, it sets up a, a WordPress environment. But then we go through this whole process of, okay, now I got to install Updraft. I got to go to the site I'm working on. I have to pull their Updraft plugin or their uh, Updraft backup files, download those, upload those into my server do a restore, I've got this process. And it's not a great process. I'm sure we could improve it ourselves. But I'm wondering about, from the standpoint uh, of your tool, like having entry scripts that could run, perhaps, once the, you know, being able to define like a, you know, first run .sh file or something that might be a bash script that utilizes WPCLI to kind of automate business processes that might need to take place to populate a dev database, let's say. Is that something that you've been thinking about or is it maybe a wish That's exactly item? what we've been thinking about. But here's the catch. This is written in Golang. Most PHP, most WordPress developers are, which one is it today? Is it PHP or JavaScript? Bash, maybe you know Bash, but the vast majority of especially uh, junior to mid-level WordPress developers, it's PHP or JavaScript. So whatever framework we do for a lot of these hooks has to be able to be used at that level. So mm -hmm. right now it's trying to figure out, so what's, so what's the best way do we do that? Do we have, maybe it's some sort of YAML file. Maybe it's an actual PHP script because through PHP, you can actually run WPCLI commands. So is that at that point, maybe it's, maybe it's education. Well, this is how you run your own WPCLI commands through a PHP script and you can run this PHP script on start. Maybe it's a JSON file that lists certain, you know, plugins. Okay, install and activate these plugins. Uh, maybe another object for themes. Or whatever, you know, whatever it might be there. There's a lot of different ways to do this, but trying to get this, the big catch is 
how do we serve the most WordPress developers doing this? Bash is probably not the answer. You know, our first thought is, well, we can just, Go has different ways you can run Go plugins. Just tell them to write a Go plugin. That doesn't work for a WordPress developer. <laughs> My first day here, they, when they told me I was writing in Go, I kind of went, oh, 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 shit. <laughs> and frankly, six months in, uh, Jason, who's been great with me, the two of us, this is our both of us, our first foray into Go. He's basically a Node.js developer, and I was a WordPress developer. You can imagine how much refactoring we've done <laughs> the last couple of months. I can't do, we can't do that to WordPress developers. So it has to be something to incorporate the technologies they already use. Maybe hmm. it's a WordPress plugin that can be run on our server with a, some sort of GUI that you can select different plugins. I mean, there's a whole lot of different ways to look at this, but it, 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 the UX is going to be paramount. I'll be interested to see how it turns out. Um, I mean, I'm already a, a convert, I think, at this point. So awesome. I, I don't have a, a whole lot I can say bad. I, I don't do much with WordPress anymore, but if I did, I would definitely use something like this. This is really cool. What are you coding in these days? Rails. Pretty ah, much. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you mentioned Capistrano yeah. earlier. Yeah, pretty much all Rails. Uh, some Ruby, like plain Ruby. I've tried to bring them over to the light side, but it's it's just not working. I've been on that side, though. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my other task last week was to, to put up the... the if, you're, if you log into the WP Engine portal and you go to DevKit was to build that page. Well, that's a Rails app using React. Two things I've never touched and had to try to put together. <laughs> oh, was that fun. Oh. By fun, I mean, I was ready to throw this computer through a window. Oh, you know what's, it's funny you mentioned that. There was a talk at RailsConf uh, a couple months ago that was a guy from GitHub. Uh, I think it was Terry Hawksley, but he, he created this thing for GitHub called Action View Component, and they're pushing it upstream to Rails. So it's gonna be part of like the main Rails core. But basically, it's it gives you like web components like you might have with React, but without needing the React framework. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to see what direction this goes in because a lot of times, like just including React with Rails just feels weird. Like it's a weird power struggle kind of thing with the framework. Uh, the only thing I've done with with uh, uh, Ruby in general is Puppet. Before this oh, project, yeah. I spent yeah. four years maintaining that uh, it was called Primary Vagrant, and that was all Puppet. And that was the closest I had gotten to Ruby. So this was this was an exercise in uh, patience. Have you played with uh, Metasploit at all? No. Uh, the Metasploit framework is also Ruby-based. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of things. I mean, that was, for a while there, every code camp on the planet taught nothing but Ruby because it was the, yeah. hips, the hipster language like five oh, years ago. Oh, it's so... It's such a great language. I love it. I, it's the comp I'm digressing heavily here, but uh, yeah, I have all the love for Ruby. <laughs> that's how that's how I'm feeling about Golang for right now. To me, that's that's been a lot of fun. So I get it. <laughs> I've been immersing myself in Zach Gordon's uh, courses on uh, Gutenberg development. So for me, it's like I, I'm thinking about the possibilities of you know talking about React and and things like that. Uh, you know that process. I've, I'm using some of these command line tools like Create Guten Block and stuff to kind of bootstrap some of those tools and make it quicker and easier. Um, and the ability that I think a tool like this could give me to very quickly spin up an environment and test. You know, uh, in fact, I've got a plugin right now that I'm I'm developing for some map work that uh, is going to come into Gutenberg. Um, being able to spin up that plugin, have a local environment that I can test it on that is as vanilla or not vanilla as I choose to have it <laughs> and not have to take, you know, 15 minutes to set up 
a Docker container for it or something like that. I think that's going to be big, um, especially for folks who are trying to figure out all the Gutenberg stuff. And, you know, I'm a PHP developer, but now I got to learn JavaScript and I've never dealt with, you know, any hmm. of this stuff. Like those are questions that people have that the easier we can make them to answer, I think the better. And it's very cool that this makes, I feel like this is going to make that very painless for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's the hope, right? It's, it's, especially as WordPress, I don't want to say fragments because that isn't the right word, but as the technology is fragmented, it used to be, you could get by doing WordPress with nothing but PHP and a little bit of jQuery here or there. I mean, CSS, I don't even want to touch, nobody wants me touching CSS. So I don't, <laughs> I don't mention CSS too often, but uh, I mean, from a backend plugin developer point of view, now it's, well, maybe you have to use, you're working in the media library. So you have to know, what is it, Backbone that that's written in? Or you want to do Gutenblocks, so maybe you're writing in Vue and React. The, the, the fragmentation is interesting, which makes the question of, so what do we support for plugins really interesting? Because hmm. how do you do this, something that's, just, you know, you want to build it to last. So how, how do we make it such a way that a, a WordPress developer with enough that they could write their own, work on the code in their own theme can also make sure that they can customize this enough to, that it works for their workflow? Well, and for folks who are wondering just how fragmented this is, um, Gutenberg, right about, I think it was almost the exact same time that you announced DevKit, um, they announced the uh, Drupal Gutenberg add-on at went 1.0. So they lifted Gutenberg out. And this was something that Matt uh, had promised, I think, you know, a year ago or whatever at, uh, at the WordCamp US or whatever, that this idea that Gutenberg while it's going to be in WordPress can it's re, it's a, it's a react app it can be picked up and used anywhere at that point mm-hmm. um and so here we are on June 13th and we have Gutenberg and Drupal so <laughs> how's their data storage are they, are they stored it all in a single database cell I will find a Drupal developer and I will bring them on the show Fair to enough. talk about that I didn't uh, know if you guys I didn't know if you did any Drupal stuff too so I'm just I, that's something that mm. <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, we, we could, you could make that a whole episode, I'm sure. But I have used Drupal in the past. That's how I met you, I think. No, you were uh, dot dot CMS. What the heck was that thing? Dot CMS. Still the do. Java um, our our enterprise sites are still all dot CMS. Um, do they still make that? Yep. Oh They're yeah. Still developing that? Oh yes. Okay. Cool. Um, it's come a a huge way too in the last what? My God, eleven years I've been using that system. Uh. Well, you were getting into it when I was decided between Drupal and dot, yeah, dot .cms, and that's how I remember I first talked to you way back in my – I used to work for Southern Illinois University yeah. way back in those days. Fun f- you had written the book. Yes, yeah, <laughs> fun fact for anybody who really wants to go do some digging on me, um, there is a book that can be found uh, that I wrote on how to build sites in .cms. I, <laughs> I finally got to the point where I, I saw people were still buying it, but it was so out of date that I felt bad. So I was like – I. I have to take this down. It, it can't be a thing anymore. So, uh, well, I think we just got done talking about DevKit, didn't we? Sounds about right. Let's take a second, uh, give everybody a breather, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap up the show. How's that sound? You like it? I like it. Ba bam! It's a good idea. The Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends at NewCloud. 
Nucloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, Nucloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com slash drunkenUX. That's nucloud.com slash drunkenUX. Chris, man, thanks for taking your evening out of uh, the week to sit down with us and talk about this. I know that when things like this happen uh, between blogs that want to get quotes from you and I'm sure other podcasts that are trying to pull you on, you have a lot on your plate. So thanks for taking the time to talk to our folks this evening um, as a, a uh, reward for that. That's a horrible way to put that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Man, take a couple minutes. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, what you've got going on. Um, obviously, this is a big deal, but if there's anything else that you're going to be at or you're doing or you want to draw attention to, um, now is your moment. Let the light shine. Sure. Uh, you can find me at chriswigman.com. You can find me on Mastodon at chris at mastodon.chriswigman.com. Twitter, Chris Wigman. Just about anything else, I'm Chris Wigman at. Uh, if you want to talk about DevKit, I'll be at WordCamp Jacksonville in a couple weeks. Ottawa a couple weeks after that. Uh, what am I at? Orlando in August. So quite a few WordCamps coming up. You can find me on Slack, Chris Wigman at the WordPress Slack or Genesis Slack. And if, you know, if you have any questions on a dev kit and you just want to try it and you can't find me anywhere, if you run WPE feedback, it'll, it'll email our team directly your nice. feedback with what's going on in there. So please do. Uh, any questions you have, anywhere you get stuck, any suggestions you have. You know, we're, it, it's early beta, and that's intentional. I've listed a whole lot of possibilities. Will we build them? If you need them, sure. Let us know what you want. <laughs> um, you mentioned Mastodon, which I hadn't heard of, so I was looking it up real fast while you were talking. It it reminds me uh, of Counter Social. Uh, that's actually Counter Social is the jesters thing. Yeah, and that's built on Mastodon. I think. Oh, is is that what it is? It's part of the Mastodon network. It, they're all built on ActivityPub. Mastodon's basically Twitter built on ActivityPub. There's uh, okay. Fred, Friendica, which is Facebook. There's PixelFed, which is uh, ActivityPub Instagram clone, which is actually pretty awesome. Huh. But it's all federated services. So you can block. You know, you don't have to get into the sewer of Twitter and some of those. <laughs> wow. I'm at Twitter. That's what happens. Hey, and so are we. Um, if you're looking for Drunken UX, uh, <laughs> go. Oh, that was a excellent segue Michael. but you ruined it by calling out it would have been so smooth if you just oh, let me go it's even better uh, go we are on facebook or twitter slash drunken ux uh, instagram.com slash drunken ux podcast um stay tuned we mentioned before uh there will be uh some giveaway stuff coming up here very soon so uh we want you all to get in on on that action and get some free stuff from us uh otherwise stay tuned we got a much more coming up uh, from dark patterns to hosting uh, solutions and other things in the coming weeks and months after this. In fact, I was looking at our listing and I think we've got stuff all lined up pretty much all the way through the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So with that, 
I can only think of one other thing. Uh, there's this piece of advice that I think everybody needs to hear from time to time. In fact, I think they need to hear it once every two weeks. Is, and that is, is it important? to keep Wait, your personas good? close. What? And <laughs> your users closer. Bye-bye. <laughs> Later. <laughs>